you're never doing business with a business. You're always doing business with an individual. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome back to episode number 35 of Perpetual Traffic. On today's session, it's going to be uh, just Ralph and I, except we have a special guest. So no Molly today. Uh, schedule's kind of conflicted with all of us, but today we've got an awesome guest. Okay, I've got Kim Walsh Phillips on the call today to talk about some stuff that I think you're really, really going to love. We've got some great case studies coming up. And Kim, you and I met almost three years ago now in that little mini mastermind that Clayton Morris put together. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I think both of us were guests on his podcast. Right. And he invited us all into a mastermind together. It was really great. And yeah, three years went very fast. Crazy, crazy. So uh, how are we doing, Ralph? We're good. We're good. Cool. Great to have Kim on today. I think we're going to be learning a lot of stuff here, Keith. <laughs> this is going to be fun. So I'm actually in down in uh, in Phoenix at the uh, Infusion Con event. I'm actually sitting outside doing this. So if you hear any weird noises, that's just people walking around or cars or something like that. But hopefully we'll be all right. But uh, today, uh, like I said, Kim and I met a few years ago, uh, Clayton Morris, who's actually an anchor of Fox and Friends, which is a national uh, Saturday morning show. Uh, just a great guy. And he's got an awesome podcast. And we had this little mini mastermind where we met uh, a few of us, like four or five or six of us. And... Then fast forward, we ended up uh, getting together I think a year and a half ago at the last traffic and conversion conference. And, I, and you gave me some great advice on my podcast and launching my podcast. And, and I've actually interviewed you before for the original podcast that we were, I was going to roll out about a year and a half or so ago. And the stuff that I learned from that one interview was, was just amazing. So I'm excited. Kim is actually the author of the No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, which is co-authored with Dan Kennedy and which became a Amazon bestseller. And Kim, I'd love to let you kind of tell us how you did that without using paid traffic, which is pretty cool. But today she's going to be talking about her backstory. I'll let you talk about it. But what Kim is, is she's a PR person turned direct response marketer who used to use social media just to build awareness. But after reading Dan Kennedy's No BS to Direct Response Marketing, she started implementing that in her business. Then fast forward, she started I think telling Dan about it one time at an event or talking at an event. And he's like, I want you to work with me. And it was kind of the same story that happened with me with Perry Marshall. It's a pretty cool story how I showed up at one of his events, you know, three years ago, um, fast forward six months later. And I, and I was running ads for Perry Marshall. Next thing you know, we're doing programs together and we're co-authoring a book. So you kind of have a similar story and, and you can go ahead and tell it, but we're going to get into some really cool case studies of how she's using social media, Facebook advertising, different types of marketing and direct response to get customers to come in the door with tons of different businesses like chiropractors, physical therapists, service-based businesses, all those types of businesses. But Kim, you can do a better job of your backstory. Yeah. I just remember though, back to that first mastermind, how we started geeking out immediately on being social media people who actually love data. Yep. So I was a PR person that owned a business for 10 years, super struggling, worked all the time, was totally broke, you know, and there's a lot more fun ways to be broke than working all of the time. And when I had my daughter, it was my come to Jesus moment that I really couldn't work any harder. If I stayed home with her any longer, we were going to lose our business because my whole business is based on me going out and shaking people's hands and getting them to be my customer. And it was then that a friend gave me Dan Kennedy's book. 
And I was amazed because then I saw, okay, I can actually use marketing to drive leads. It doesn't just need to be awareness. It can have direct response. The problem was Dan hated, hated social media. And so that was the thing that I knew. So I had to start experimenting. Of course, it worked because social media is just a channel. And we can take the direct response marketing principles that work in other channels and apply them to social and have similar results. When I had an opportunity to present in front of Dan in the contents I entered, he was amazed that someone actually taken his strategies, applied them to social and had great results, started working with him. And that's how eventually I got asked by him to be the author of his most recent book, The No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing. I'm proud to say we're his best-selling book of all time. Um, we hit, wow. yeah, we hit number one in all of business, number 22 in all of Amazon on launch day with no paid ads. And all of that was done because of something I encourage any of you doing that are looking to build a platform is to not jump in day one and ask people to do something. To really start with value and building your relationship with your customers, building your tribe, engaging with them, letting them cheer for you along the way. When I first got the signed contract, and I'm thankful I have the same publisher actually that you have, Keith, um, Entrepreneurs Press, that we love them. When I got that signed contract from them, I shared the picture of holding that contract and a picture to my Facebook fans. And then along the way, as I was writing the book, I would ask them questions. And as I was finishing it up and getting that final manuscript done, I took a picture of that. So they would be cheering kind of along the way and were part of the journey. So the first day that I posted that it was for sale, um, even for pre-order on Amazon, I just needed one post and we went to bestseller. And on actual launch day, um, getting you know my friends and family and people I built relationships with over time, just willing to send out one email, just asking people to buy the book that day and sending people into social media, we were able to accomplish that great feat that many people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do because we had taken time to nurture our audience prior to launch day. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. By that time, they've got buy-in. They feel like they're part of the journey. Most people are buying it because of the, they want to learn from the book, but a lot of people are buying it just to support you because they felt like they've been a part of that journey. Yeah. And I'm thankful. I actually got another book deal from Entrepreneur Press, and I'm going to be the author of The Ultimate Guide to Instagram for Business and have started that again. Just shared it recently with my fans, hundreds of people commented and liked it, and they'll be along the journey again. And as I write the next book to hopefully have similar results. That is awesome. Love it. Love that it. That is awesome. I think, you know, one yeah. of the things that you, you say here is that you deliver value first. Mm -hmm. And I think for people who maybe look at the Facebook ads platform, which we talk about obviously a lot here on the show, and they say, well, how do you actually do this? I am a small business owner. I don't even have a Facebook business page. I don't even, I'm not on Facebook. My customers aren't on Facebook. And that value first is certainly something that we talk about here quite a bit. But the remarkable thing for you and your business is that you've been able to take really an offline kind of business and model, business model especially, and convince people that first off Facebook, your customers are on there and here's the right way to do it. So if you're a small business owner saying, you know, Facebook really isn't for me, maybe I'll just listen to this show and, and sort of see what's going on. If you have a product or a service and you're a small business owner and you're not on Facebook, you have to start considering it. 
as a viable platform, not not only just for direct response, but for brand, ROI, and all the sorts of things that we're going to talk about here today. So that's an awesome, awesome story. So congratulations on your success. It's huge. Thank you. Yeah. And with, you know, and you said that too, about reaching people, I want to encourage businesses who aren't currently online, because a lot of the folks that come to us have never done online marketing of any type before. Hmm. But 72% of adults in the United States that are online are on Facebook, 72%. And there is no other channel you can reach that large portion of the population on. So the one that I usually, and you guys probably hear this too, that I hear a lot of is B2B, right? Do you think yep. that B2B can't work? Right. It has to be LinkedIn or not at all. I, you know, and we hadn't even talked about this ahead of time, but can I start there? Because that's one of those big misconceptions people have, I think, about B2B not working. No, I, I love it. I love it. I think a lot of times the owner of the business, or the person who's running the business, isn't on Facebook or hardly ever is. So they think that their customers aren't or it's not going to be a great channel. And, it, and it's a misconception. So let's get right into it for sure. You're never doing business with a business. You're always doing business with an individual. There's an individual that makes the decision to have a conversation with you. And for B2B, often that's how the sale is made. So Facebook isn't going to actually make the sale for you because people don't make large purchase decisions when they click on an ad. But this is a way where you can capture a qualified lead and put them into your marketing campaign so that you can turn them into a sale. So it's just that first entry point. And something we have a lot of experience with is uh, sales coaching companies going after sales managers, vice presidents, the individuals who we hear, again, they wouldn't be on Facebook or you need super conservative ads to reach them. What you want to do in any of those genres, you're going for a professional services type B2B market, you want to go around what we call an ACE campaign. That's building the authority, celebrity, and expert prior to asking them to opt in. So just like you guys talk a lot about building the content, you want to do that and you want to make sure that the person they're going to have the sales conversation with is the person that authors the article. Because what you're trying to do is set up that person as the authority or expert. So ad number one will be an article, very editorial, no sales pitch. The ad should not be branded. The ad should look um, like a picture you would see in Inc. Magazine or Wired or Fortune very, you know, shaded colors, um, editorial looking, and just pure article. So for an example, one that we have running, um, the top copy says ditch the dial and pray method. So it's not a full sentence. It's just kind of an enticement. And then down below five tactics to identify leads without making cold calls. So we're trying to identify with the target market. This is a pain point they have. This is an article they might be interested in. So they go to this page and on the page itself, there's an opt-in opportunity if they do want to get the free report. And we get a lot more cold opt-ins actually from the blog posts in these professional campaigns than we do actually in any other niche, which is interesting to me. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And then we follow up with a lead magnet simply to, if you're interested in this topic, you're going to want to get more. So for this one, we took them again. We just said five tactics to identify leads without making cold calls. What we actually shared with them was LinkedIn strategies and then the follow-up campaign were copy and paste email campaigns for LinkedIn. Now, the Facebook has outperformed LinkedIn for advertising of LinkedIn strategies. <laughs> Even though we think of LinkedIn as the professional resource, Facebook outperforms it 10 to 1 in even promoting LinkedIn strategies. Totally makes sense. I mean, the platform's so much bigger. There's just so 
many more people on there. But you're breaking that perception, though. The people say, well, if I'm B2B, and that, I think the best thing that you said here is the line about you're never doing business with a business, you're doing business with an individual. That is just mm -hmm. key. So for business owners who think that B2B won't work on a social platform, the, the person on the other end is a person. It's not just a corporate, you know, nameless, faceless organization. And, you know, people are social by nature. And, you know, the biggest, baddest platform right now with one over 1 billion active users on Facebook now as of December 2015, which is incredible. Your customers on there. So that's huge. Good stuff. Yeah. And the neat thing about starting this editorial content is you get a lot of free um, leverage. So one that we're running um, for an amazing business, it's Stephanie Chung. She helps people who sell very expensive products. So they're not going to compete on price. And the ad was simply not the cheapest option in your market, question mark, good. And then the article was making sales even when you're the most expensive in your market. That one ad just the one image was shared 24 times with four comments with a $9 spend. So the organic reach was incredible. And she was getting um, dozens of opt-ins daily from the blog posts, not even from the retarget. So it's amazing what you can do and you hit the right message to your audience focused on pain points and start with that value proposition prior to asking for a sale. Love it. Love it. For those campaigns, did you go through a number of different iterations, a number of different posts before you found the right one? Or, you know, because you've got a lot of experience, you can just sort of say, well, I think this is going to be the right one. And maybe you just choose one. How, how many times like did the you- hook, right? yeah. You're talking about like the hook title of the article, like the Exactly. Premise. That would pull them in and get opt-ins. Yeah. Kind of a combination. We definitely use Google Keyword Planner tool prior to creating our ad. So we'll always look at what are people searching? What are the words they're actually using? And we'll also go into buzzsumo.com to check out the most popular social media articles to get a sense of what people want. Um, we do know the sales market really well. And for those of you who happen to work in that one, a nice um, tip is people are not interested in improving their sales process. They believe that the problem is always the lead <laughs> Mm -hmm. not their sales process. Right. So even if you are a sales trainer, the way to get to their heart is by giving them an easier way to get leads. So we do know just from experience that that's their pain point, but then we dive in and see what are they actually searching for in order to get that prior to creating an ad. And then we will always split test. We've gotten from Facebook directly. They don't want you to split test more than six things at the same time. So we'll either split six images or six um, versions of copy or a combination, but only six at a time. And once we go through a round of testing, then we'll develop a new six to test. So the key there is really is giving them what they think that they want or think mm -hmm. that they need. And we always say, give them what they want, but then, you know, sell them what they need. But I think they, in this case, they think that's what they really need is just more leads. But probably the solution is, you know, a, a sales funnel sort of after the click, after the actual lead comes in to cultivate them and ultimately sell them. As agencies, we know that too, right? Because when people come to us, the number one thing they want are leads or traffic. And we know that once you get that lead, you have to be able to convert it. So there's both sides, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. But if I approached it that way, hey, I'm going to help your people to get better on the phone. That's not that's not at all what people are looking for. Right. So you always want to approach them with what they want and then develop relationship, nurture and convert them into a sale later on. So, okay. So to recap real quick, the ACE campaign, the ACE campaign, can you repeat those three again? 
Sure. Authority, celebrity, or expert. You want to position yourself as the authority, celebrity, or expert prior to making the sale. So you do that in article number one. You want to be positioned as the author and then also using case studies and social proof in order to establish yourself as the leading expert in that topic. And then you're going to retarget or remarket and add number two with the offer. But also always include a link to the offer at the end of your blog because if someone read all the way to the end, you know that they're interested and you want to take advantage of the opportunity to sell. This is perfect. It's so so much in line with what we teach. And if you go back to episodes one and two, we really talk about the kind of the foundation of the traffic temperature. And this is very similar to what Kim is talking about here. And the cool thing is, is Kim is doing this in so many different industries and niches and, and types of businesses where I think a lot of people think that Facebook doesn't work or social media uh, direct response marketing doesn't work. Another niche that this works in is in the dental niche. So a way to use this is to first have an article and have it appeal towards people who are interested in their teeth care, their oral care. And this would go for any niche. You want your article to appeal to those who would care about the product program or service that you offer. So for Lake Oconee Dentistry, we simply ran a blog post and we did a ton of split testing for this to get the best image and the best blog post that would appeal to their market. And the one that worked the best, interestingly enough, wasn't directly about teeth or braces at all. It was breakfast is not just the most important meal of the day for your stomach. Your teeth are affected, but what you choose as your first meal, so choose wisely. And then we just had an article about what you eat for breakfast affects your teeth. It wasn't at all directly related to going to the dentist. And Hmm. I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is they try to too closely align it. This was just to identify people who are interested in dental care. We then retargeted them with an offer ad, and this was for an ad to have a new patient gift certificate that they would get money off of their cleaning, polish, and exam and x-ray. And we always call it a gift certificate, never a coupon. We want to position it more as value. And that follow-up ad was the way we got all of the new patients in. So that one blog post retargeted to that ad got 19 new patients to that dental practice. And the average cost per sign up was only $12.36. Total spent was $234 for 19 patients. And each patient has a value of $2,400 to $3,200. So their ROI was crazy good. It was like over 1,000% just by narrowing their focus first on a blog post and retargeting with an offer. I love the fact that you positioned it as not necessarily around the value that the dentist might provide or whatever the, the service provider is. It actually reminds me, I was just actually listening to Chet Holmes's awesome book, um, The Ultimate Sales Machine. And in his kind of main chapter about education-based marketing, I believe it's chapter four, he gives a great example of American art resources. And they're the largest art dealer for hospitals worldwide. And the way they did that was by doing online seminars for people that worked at hospitals and stuff. But the title of their presentation was the five most dangerous trends facing hospitals. Okay. And the whole point was that everything matters, especially the design and even the artwork. So it's like, it's about trends facing hospitals has nothing to do with artwork that the original hook is not that it's like an added benefit, which exactly reminds me what your hook is there about breakfast, not being the most important meal of the day just for, for your health, but also for your teeth. So it's those subtle things that 
can be game changing. And we've seen it so many times where people will take a strategy that we talk about, whether it's amplifying a blog post or whether it's running a video ad and then it doesn't work right out of the gate. Well, it doesn't work. That strategy doesn't work. But like you just said, you split tested several different types of hooks, right? It's not that the strategy doesn't work. It's that, that maybe they didn't have the right hook. And, you know, don't get hung up on the features and benefits of your product and needing your content to be so closely aligned with it. The step one is really just about identifying your right target market. So you don't spend a lot of money reaching them because Facebook charges so much less for clicks than they do opt-ins. Go after a big market, narrow the focus, and then retarget. But another way, and you guys have talked about this before, you had a great episode that went through multiple ways that you guys use for lead gen that I loved. And one of the ways you talked about was friends of fans. And so we've done a lot of testing with that. And I see it used so rarely in advertising, Mm. which is amazing, right? Because Facebook is where people are hanging out with their friends and family. So why not leverage that? And we have found we go straight to offer when we use the friends of fans ad because people are used to seeing, you know, they'll see their friends and family above the ad. I always say it's something like if you heard a radio commercial on TV, like Bob's Italian restaurant. And at the end you heard your friend Mary really likes this place. (laughs) You're like, what? Mary likes it. I have to go there. And that's what using friends of fans ads does is it puts that social proof right above your ad. I mean, it's amazing. We used it for an orthodontist to do an iPad giveaway for any new braces that folks got. And the results were awesome. So he spent $1,300 on ads. He had 24 appointment requests from that. And each customer has a lifetime value of $6,000 for total value of $144,000 out of a $1,000 spend. I mean, that's amazing. And that's from not having to go the blog route first, just going straight to offer by using that friends of fans. So if you're a local business, you can do that um, without having to do a lot more um, micro-targeting. If you're going more to a national market, then what you'll want to do is make sure it's partnered up with something else. So friends of fans plus a lookalike audience plus some other descriptor that would narrow the focus down to still be your target market. But it's definitely worth testing, sending your offer straight to cold with that category. Okay, I love that. I love that, especially with local like you're talking about. So back on episode 28, we we talked about seven ways to grow your local business using paid traffic. So you can go back and listen to that episode. Um, And I actually mentioned Kim, I believe, on that episode. You did. That's why I love that episode so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So definitely go back and listen to that episode. And so this is interesting because the friends of fan thing can be a game changer. Sometimes if you're targeting an audience... If you don't have a lot of fans yet and you're targeting, maybe you have a national audience, sometimes it can narrow the audience down so it's too small. However, if you're targeting a broader audience, it can be a great thing to do. So a lot of times with national audiences, some people might not recognize, you know, Joe, whoever, it might just be some random person that they're friends with. They don't really recognize because a lot of people have a lot of friends on Facebook. So some people might think that that is kind of like, oh, overrated. But when you think about locally, especially if I have a friend on Facebook and they're in my local area, odds are I know exactly who that person is and they are probably a true friend, somebody that I know pretty well or, or maybe a good friend of a friend. And so I think the locally, it could even make a bigger impact. It's the ultimate endorsement. And we use that strategy to give a national example. Yep. Um, we're doing all the marketing for GKIC Insider Circle for their super conference to sell tickets. And they have a really large list overall of email subscribers. It's over 50,000 people. And we did 
an ad campaign reaching those folks plus friends of fans. And that was actually the number one place where our ticket sales came from because we had that extra piece of social proof. We had one that just was towards members, one that was towards all of their list. And we had some others like, um, you know, had visited the page. But the one that got us the most conversions was their overall list plus friends of fans. And so, yeah, we got a great ROI on that with the national. But again, it was a more narrow market because we were going after their list with that campaign. Right. Interesting. They're GKIC insider circle. So people that are members or used to be members of, of like the local insider circle group. Yeah. Or just okay. on their lead list. They came in through a promotion okay. or a yep. launch or something. They're not just one of their email subscribers. Okay, cool. Yeah. I would imagine that friends of fans thing, and this is something that I think we in the agency and also just with our coaching customers, we've probably have put that aside a bit. I'm really excited to start using it again because we used to use it all the time and we had some pretty good success with it. I think for general offers, or maybe this is more of a question to you, is it, it seems to me that for general offers that everybody kind of needs, like for a local restaurant, for example, I mean, everybody eats. You know, for a dentist, everybody has teeth, you know what I mean? So friends of fans would be more powerful in those cases, or do you find the friends of fans are specific to, you know, more niche, more broad appeal? What's your sense there? Yeah, we've used it both ways. So we mm -hmm. um, do all the social media marketing for ChemDry franchises, and we run one of these campaigns to any one of their franchises, and we can go very broad, right? Because almost everybody who owns a home could use carpet cleaning, so that's simple. But when you get to a larger market, like I use it all the time for my business, and I will focus on friends of fans plus Facebook page admin, yep. right? Because I know if they work on their Facebook page and they have a friend that knows me that's going to create that social proof and that audience performs really well. So I think friends of fans can work well nationally or even internationally as long as you put additional qualifiers in that will make it that good audience for you. Just like you would put on a lookalike audience, you're going to do lookalike plus something else. You'd want to do friends of fans plus something else. Exactly. It's a great way to take a, a fairly broad audience that might be a little bit broad. Maybe it's a little bit too big initially for you and you're going to narrow it down. So you might have an audience of say, say Facebook admin owners might be, let's just throw out a million. Maybe it's a million people that are 25 and up. And if Kim goes out and says, I want to target people who are a Facebook page admin and also they have a friend that is a fan of her Facebook page, now that million person audience might get narrowed down to say 200,000. And now she has a 200,000 person audience where whenever they see that ad, up right above that ad, literally above the name of that page and above the word sponsored, they're going to see, you know, Susie Smith and 27 others like this page. And it's instant social proof and endorsement. And what happens is if we're running ads, running Facebook ads, and it says sponsored on there. So initially when somebody sees an ad, they're going to have their guard up. And so how can we create ways to get their guard down immediately as quick as possible? And one way is to have a lot of other friends who like that page, right? And very few people use this, which is amazing. Like you guys just mentioned, you use it some, uh, we use it now quite often, but there are a whole lot of marketers that don't. Now, after this podcast, we'll see what happens. But. <laughs> <laughs> Might change now. It, it's funny. It's like Facebook rolls out all these new bells and whistles like lookalike audiences and flex targeting and, and ways to kind of narrow that audience. And then sometimes you all of a sudden you forget about what has worked best in the past. And, and we have to be careful doing that. We all do. I was going to say old school is a new cool. 
Yes, exactly. Totally. I think also we got to discount the fact that uh, you know, if we were using Friends of Fans two years ago, the Facebook algorithm and just the platform itself has gotten so much smarter too. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that you know you are not a friend with somebody that you just messaged the other day, and then you know that because that shows right up in my my newsfeed. You know, why aren't you friends with this person because you messaged them yesterday? Um, and I was like, whoa, this is getting really really good here because Facebook, I think, is just constantly constantly improving the platform. So I think that Friends of Fans you know, the, the algorithm probably works even better now. And it probably will mention people, the first name on that list, somebody that maybe you liked a post of theirs or something like that more recently. So the intelligence of the platform, I think is just vastly improved, especially in the last six to nine months. Is they're really good at having us spend money. So the more effective they can make <laughs> us, the more money we'll spend on Facebook. You got that right. Yeah. They're getting more and more proactive. Like you said, finding potential friends, finding groups to be a part of. They know the more Facebook groups you're a part of, the more communities you're a part of in there, the long, the more you're in there, which guess what? That means there's more users on there that businesses can put their promoted posts and their, and their ads in front of. So, all right, so I'm gonna back up just a second here. I wanna, I wanna if you could recap on the dental niche example. So you first talked about the dentist and you split tested different types of hooks or articles. And the one that worked out best was the premise of breakfast is, is not just the most important meal of the day for your health. And what, what was that again? And then if you could lead into the lead magnet and kind of what you did for the, the gift certificate, I believe, and not a coupon. Sure, yep. Breakfast is not just the most important meal of the day for your stomach. Your teeth are affected by what you choose as your first meal. So choose wisely, exclamation point. And then it's just a picture of breakfast cereal, looking down at the bowl, and then click to learn more, which is not always the best click copy, but in this situation, it worked the best. And then just below, we always take text from the um, article and just throw it below so it has that ad congruency when you go to the landing page that you feel like you're in the right spot. So that was a blog post. And then we retargeted with a new patient gift certificate campaign. And the copy up above was a healthy smile is a beautiful smile. Click to claim your $162 new patient gift certificate. Your certificate can be applied to a teeth cleaning and polished exam and x-ray limited availability. And then it was simply a picture of a toothbrush and toothpaste, but like slightly off the page. So lots and lots of white space here with the text being the major visual and even staying below the 20% rule. That's most of what you see here. And I'd be happy to give it to you guys if you want to put it into the show notes, that um, image. Oh, that'd be great. Sure. Awesome. Yep. And then below the image, it says click to claim yours. So a direct call to action. And we use that because we knew on the blog post, the click to read worked the best. So we put click to claim. And then we continued with copy down below from the author page. Love it. Love it. Awesome. That'd be great if you could share that and you can, you can access the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And the most recent episode will be up there and you can check out all the show notes for, uh, for this episode and, and any resources that we talked about. So, um, I love it. So you're using Google keyword planner and Buzzsumo to find potential article hooks. And then you're using, uh, the data and you're letting people tell you what works best. Um, when it comes to the images or the ad copy or the the actual hook or the premise of the lead magnet. And in this case, you're, you're using a gift certificate and you're always thinking about subtle ways to position things. So one big takeaway here, I think, too, is is that what Kim does such a good job of is always thinking about the very subtle, small things that can make a big difference. So 
whenever you listen to strategies that we talk about, it's, it's not only like, how can you make that specific tactic or strategy work for your business? A lot of times it's something you have to adjust, right? Um, you might hear a strategy or an example. How can you make that work for your business? And then also when it comes to whatever your kind of strategy or campaign you're working on, how can you just find the little subtle things? That's the stuff that it's hard to tell. I mean, it's hard to measure initially, but like I'm positioning that as a gift certificate. So it sounds like a much higher value type of offer because it is, it's, it's an expensive service. You know, maybe if they were uh, a different type of business where there's a lot of couponers out there, maybe they would use the word coupon. So not using the word coupon might not be just blanketed. It's just in this specific niche. Great example. I loved how you used both the kind of B2B example and then also the the kind of B2C, the, the dentist and, and this type of stuff. And, and it's back to the same you know system that we talk about. And, and I love the, the ACE, the ACE. Establish yourself as the authority, celebrity, or expert prior to making the sale. Build value. Lead with value. Lead with education. And a lot of people will take action, like you said, right? A lot of people They'll, they'll come to your website and they'll find your call to action and they'll click through. Um, but if they don't, that's okay because guess what? They are now inside your custom audience, which is your kind of invisible list inside Facebook. And now you can retarget them with, a, with an ad that's more promotional, you know, where they have to maybe opt in or maybe they have to buy something that you're offering. So another couple takeaways I took is the friends of fans. That's another way to establish yourself not necessarily as a celebrity, but it's, it's an authority as a trusted either business or person, right? Because friends of that person that's on Facebook already like that page. All right. So that was great stuff, Kim. I think it's a, a good time to kind of wrap it up time-wise. You, you gave us such a ton of value. Like you said, originally you led with how you took your book to number one bestseller status without even using paid traffic. And then we went into the B2B example and the B2C example. So if you want to go back and check out the show notes, the examples, everything, make sure you go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And Kim, man, we're going to have to have you on again down the road and, and go over some more examples because this is really, really good stuff. So uh, thanks again for, for coming on and sharing all of these nuggets, just gold. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we will definitely need to have you back on. I've got a lot of questions for you. <laughs> I know the podcast is only so long. Where can people find you, Kim? Yeah, so two things. To get a free chapter of our book, The No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, go to nobschapter.com. And to learn more about my firm or to get lots of our free resources, visit EliteDigitalGroup.com. All right, perfect. So NoBSChapter.com and EliteDigitalGroup.com. And we will have both those links in the show notes. So once again, go visit the show notes at DigitalMarketer.com forward slash podcast. And Kim, thanks a lot for bringing it today. Awesome stuff. Can't wait to uh, get you back on again. And we will talk to you all soon. All right, have a great week. Bye-bye. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.